Good evening. We are together in the writings of Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin. He's going to take us today in a totally different direction than where he has taken us uh, until now. Until now, we learned a lot of different separations that happened in the Jewish people. We're discussing the, the damage that separating Jewish people into groups can cause. This ultimately is going to lead the Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin to segue into, well, maybe it's not entirely different. But if separation is so bad, so what exactly is this Ashkenazi and Sephardi divide all about? And he's going to dedicate many, 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 many pages to a very... It's a difficult conversation to have, because I think most of us have been taught to just avoid this topic of contention. But it's one that has to be had, and one that has to be looked through and, and discussed. And so Rabbi Shem is going to do that for us right now, uh, starting with today's shiu of... Uh, God created in man's image. So let's look at page. In my book it says, page 12 in Roman numerals. If somebody has the PDF in front of them and can tell me what it actually says in Rav Shem Tov Gagin's PDF, I would appreciate that. Mord, you're normally my guy who knows what page we're on. So there's a PDF attached to the bottom. You have it, Jordan? No problem. Jordan, did you? Page 10. Okay, so it's page 10 of the PDF, 12 in the Roman numerals. Thank you. So if you don't know where the PDF is, you're welcome to look at the Zoom invitation that was sent out in the Google Classroom, or if you're in the UK Bermidash group, you actually got an email last night already, or today in the morning for you, uh, which has the PDF attached. We're on page 10 of that PDF, in the bottom part of the page. Now, my dear readers, I wish to present before you a number of things in which Sfaradim and Ashkenazim are entirely different in terms of their practice. I'm going to show you a little bit of it. So you're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. That's a Hebrew expression. You're seeing a little bit, but the rest of it you won't be able to see. Meaning, I can show you the tip of the iceberg, but the rest of this is fully submerged underwater. There's too much if we were going to discuss the differences in practice between Sevaradim and Ashkenazim. But I'm going to show you a little bit. And here, before anything else, Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin quotes from a very special Chacham, someone who's very dear to me. I appreciate his writings very much. And many of you may have studied his writings before, but I'm curious to know how many actually know who he is. In Hebrew we would say chayot, but in English they say chayas. Tzvi hersh chayas. Not English, that's Ashkenazi Hebrew. Tzvi hersh chayas. Has anyone ever heard of him before? Okay, some of you are saying yes. Mord, can I imagine in Yeshiva you studied a little bit of his writings? Yeah, most probably that's where. Uh, anyone else exposed to the writings of Tzvi hersh chayas? So I think many people who are familiar with him are familiar with him because of his comments in the Talmud, which are studied in many, many, many yeshivot, Sephardi and Ashkenazi alike. It's actually printed in the most editions that I've seen of the Vilna Talmud. Rav Tzvi Hershchayis was born in 1805 in Austria. He lived for about 49 years. He passed away in 1855 in the same place. And Rav Tzvi Hershchayis led a very interesting life. So as much as I believe your Lithuanian mainstream yeshiva would think that Rabbi Tzvi Hershchayes was one of them. In his lifetime, 
Rav Tzvi Hershchayes didn't really get the respect that he should have because he himself was a rabbi who as observant of halakha as he was, had no problem whatsoever dabbling in the writings and in the circles of the maskilim, the Haskalah movement, the early enlightenment movement. And that led to all kinds of friendships, unique friendships, unique conversations about Judaism, about Torah, that other rabbis of his time didn't really appreciate. Uh, the main community that persecuted Rabbi Tzvi Hershchayis was the Hasidic community. So the Hasidic community saw in him a danger. They saw him in him a reformer, a heretic of sorts, and they dedicated their lives. Their mission was to destroy the life of Rabbi Tzvi Hershchayis. And Rabbi Tzvi Hershchayis suffered tremendously at their hands. He did retort back at times. At one time, I believe, he even retorted something to the effect of, in order to be a Hasidic Rebbe, you probably wouldn't even know that King Shaul was the king before David HaMelech. Something like that. It was pretty intense. And how he, his attitude was, all Hasidim are just Amei Ha'aretz. They're the little mystical people that don't know much about Torah, or else they wouldn't be who they are. Nonetheless, Rav Svi Hirsch in his writings, was a tremendous Talmudic giant. It's a beautiful book, which is an introduction to the Talmud. Uh, they've translated it into English recently, so I found an English translation not so long ago. It could be the translation was not so recent, but it's worth taking a look at. Nonetheless, According to Rabbi Hirschchais, regarding the difference in minhagim and practice between these two tribes of Israel, notice that Rabbi Shemtov Gagin is calling Ashkenazim and Sephardim two tribes of Israel. So already in the words of Rabbi Shemtov Gagin, you see that according to him, these differences are irreconcilable. They are, they are two tribes of the Jewish people. These two tribes, Ritzvi Hershchaya says that the difference between Sephardim and Ashkenazim have nothing to do with the written or oral laws that are of the Jewish people. Not of the, the oral, sorry, the written law or the oral law. Says Rav Tzvi Hershchayes that a Sephardim and Ashkenazim don't even have differences when it comes to later rules that were instituted by rabbis throughout the generations, so long as they were based on the Talmud itself. Especially there's no difference between Sephardim and Ashkenazim. Bisodot, look at the top of page 11 in your PDF. Bisodot ha'emunah kol Yisrael achudim utzmudim alpi hayudgim alikarim shiyasadam rabbenu ha'maymoni. Rav Sihar Shchaya says that the Sephardim and Ashkenazim are not different from each other, not in their understanding of the written Torah, not in their understanding of the oral Torah, not in the understanding of halachot which come later that are directly influenced by the Talmud, and most especially, there is no difference between Sephardim and Ashkenazim as it relates to their beliefs in the Creator because all of these groups, Sephardim and Ashkenazim, adhere to the 13 principles which were established by our Rabbi, the Maimoni. Before I read anything or hey, say anything or hear anything, has anyone ever heard a similar assessment said about Sephardim and Ashkenazim? We're really the same. We're all just the same. Okay, we do things a little different, but when it comes to Torah, to mitzvot, to Hashem, to our beliefs, we're all the same Jewish people who just ended up in two different parts of the world. Has anyone ever heard this said? At least one of you is saying yes. How many of you, too? How many of you agree? Now, it's not fair because you know too much. 
I were to ask a regular Jewish audience, how many of you would agree with the opinion of Rabbi Tzvi Hirsch Chayis? Tell me, tell me perhaps if this is true or not, based on what you know. I want to hear. This is the part where you unmute yourself and you talk. And I will make it awkwardly silent until one of you does. I would say that there are vast differences in the manifestation in, in the halakhic approaches. I mean, this is something that's done very a lot. We know this already. That I get there's the statement that, that we, you know, we follow the same halakhot, or you know, there's no real difference, you know. And I guess in maybe, in maybe in his time, if, you know, could be married, might be a little bit closer, but especially today, it definitely does not mature anymore. Okay, so I think for a lot of us, we feel, thank you, we feel that, and by the way, his time is only the 1800s. So I can imagine if Safaradim and Ashkenazim were ever more divided. Today, maybe it looks bad, but 1800s also wasn't so special. Uh, this is not an accurate statement. Maybe the last sentence. Has anyone ever read Mark Shapiro's book, Professor Mark Shapiro's book on the 13 principles of faith? I thought I had it in my library. I could have sworn that I own a copy of it. When I went to look for it this morning, I could not find it. In there, Rabbi uh, Professor Mark Shapiro, he discusses whether the 13 principles of faith of the Rambam are really 13 principles of faith, or were there opponents to the 13 principles of faith throughout Jewish history. By the way, I think many of you who pray with the Sephardic Sidu, you might notice that on Friday night, before Yigdal Elohim Chai, there's a little sentence in Hebrew, before Yigdal. Has anyone ever noticed what the most Sephardics are doing? Say up there, and those of you in the Spanish Portuguese, right? I don't know what it says there, but I'm talking about the Eastern Sephardim. Right before Yigdal, there's a little sentence that says, No, Rabbi Daniel, maybe you, you have it in your Sidu. Oftentimes it says over there, a very likely you have a white Sidu, if it's a white Sephardic Sidu, most likely it'll say that. Right before Yigdal on Friday night, It says, The Rizal did not say the 13 principles of faith. He wouldn't sing the song. The reason being that the Rizal argued with a stance that you can summarize Judaism into only 13 principles. There were those who had different numbers, those who didn't agree with all the 13 principles of the Rambam. So even though for us today, the 13 principles of faith are the 13 principles of faith, so much so, that Mori HaRav Yaakov Peretz, when he does a giyu, and he comes in front of a person in the Bet Adin. All he wants to know from them is, do you accept the 13 principles of faith of the Rambam? If yes, you're done. If not, I don't care what you do, I don't care how many mitzvot you keep. If you don't accept the 13 principles, I won't do a giyu for you. But this wasn't always the case. And says Rabbi Shem Dov Gagin, one more sentence. Aval en da'ati nocha midivrei ha'ga'on ka'asher tirei lehalan. He says, I... I just, my, my mind cannot be at rest when reading the words of Rav Tzvi Hirsch Chayis. Like you'll see soon. You say we're all the same. He said, but I made a collection. And he actually collects for us soon. We're going to have a shiur. Some 50 places where Sephardim and Ashkenazim are entirely different. We do things completely different. But before then, there's a little aleph. You see the aleph? One sentence before. It's a footnote. It goes down to the middle of the page. 
there's a footnote here, and this footnote is exactly what I came to discuss with you today. Because before, before Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin can even get into what are the actual practical differences between Sevaldim and Ashkenazim, he feels that this statement, that all Jews accept the 13 principles of the Rambam, is not a historically accurate claim. And look at this footnote here. Aleph. Now, I'll tell you the truth. Many of you know rabbis who are big philosophers. They like to get involved in the conversations about a Kadosh Baruch Hu and how a Kadosh Baruch Hu and what a Kadosh Baruch Hu. I don't know. A Kadosh Baruch Hu was not chonen this type of da to me. I didn't receive this mind that loves to delve into the realm of philosophy. Uh, so today I'm going to discuss about whether or not HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a body or a form. But the actual conversation surrounding whether HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a body or form and how that fits in with classic Jewish sources it's not beyond my pay grade, but it's beyond my scope of interest. If those of you who would like to read more about this, there are some terrific articles. I will attach them later today to the Google Classroom, B'zad Hashem. Between Rabbi Natan Slifkin and Rabbi Shlomo Zakir, I think, or Shaul Zakir, uh, Zakir, perhaps, about uh, the corporeality of Hashem as understood in the writings of Rashi in the Tosafot, I will send that to you for your own uh, in consumption later. Says Rabbi Shem I have to make a note about what the Gaon wrote. That all the Jews are united around the 13 principles of faith of the Rambam. In my opinion, says Rabbi Shemto, in my opinion, Rabbi Tzvi Hershchayes spoke too briefly in an area where he should have elaborated more. Before the coming of the Rambam and before his generation, this belief of Gashmut, of, of physicality of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a physical form and shape, was in the heart of the giants of the Jewish people. Do you know how many, how many of our rabbis believed? That HaKadosh Baruch Hu has an image and he has a form? Where does it say in the Torah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has no image or form? You all assume that HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't have a body. Where does it say that in the Torah? Where? It doesn't. To the contrary, to the contrary, make for me an argument, any one argument that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a body according to the Torah itself. Find me a sentence which describes HaKadosh Baruch Hu's body. Think about that. Very good, very good. The Jews leaving Egypt. HaKadosh Baruch Hu took them out with an outstretched arm, a big arm. The Torah talks about HaKadosh Baruch Hu's body. You didn't say Shema Yisrael today? V'chara af Adonai Bachem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's nostrils flared up against you. Yeah, that's, I don't know against you, Chazrum, against other people. The nostrils of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, throughout the Torah, you have words, terminology, that clearly describes HaKadosh Baruch Hu's body. Where does it say, Rambam said HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't have a body, where does it say that? And so you shouldn't be surprised to discover that before the Rambam's generation, there were many, many, many Chachamim. And yes, there's an argument among academics just how many, many is. But just how many Jews, Talmidei Chachamim, big rabbis that you've heard of, who believed that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had a body and a form. And in fact, that's exactly what the Torah 
demanded from them to believe. Now you should know, that's just for the record's sake. Let's say that there are differences between those rabbis who believed in Gashmut Ha'el, the physicality, the corporeality of God. Some say that the Kaddish Baruch really had a body and a form. That's really who he was, he's a being. But how is he different than a human being? HaKadosh Baruch Hu's form is made of a superior physical material than us mortal human beings. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a body, has an image, has a likeness and a form, but that form is, is of superior quality than ours. There are those who say, no, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a form, but only when he chooses to have a form. doesn't always have a form, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu can most definitely have a body and an image and a form. Not necessarily, but could. Others argue that a Kadosh Baruch Hu, some even want to read this into the writings of the Rambam. I'm not telling you to, I'm just telling some. That a Kadosh Baruch Hu has no image or form, but he can appear to other people as if he has an image or a form. Which could explain much of the terminology that is found throughout the Torah or the writings of the prophets. Let's continue. And anyone who is familiar with Jewish history, Anyone who's familiar with Jewish history knows just how great of a desecration of Hashem's name happened over this war, whether HaKadosh Baruch Hu had a body or did not. There were some rabbis that went so far as to say that the camp of the Rambam, I believe you can find some of these quotes, in the chapter Folly of Israel in Chacham Faur's book Horizontal Society. That these Rambamists, these Maimonideans are embarrassing us in front of our brothers and sisters, the believing Christians of the world. Even the Christians know that HaKadosh Baruch has a body and a form. Even they know the angels have an image and a form. Who, who are these Maimonideans to show up and destroy the pure belief in HaKadosh Baruch that we share with our brothers and sisters, the Christians? There was once a Jewish world like that. Until the Rambam came. A few years after the death of the Rambam. So we assume the Rambam dies in Fustat in Egypt about 1204. So sometime after 1204. And the Rambais that Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin is going to mention live in the first half of the 13th century. So 1200 to 1250. Around there sometime. In his beautiful books. So a few years after the Rambam's passing. Once his books had already spread across the Jewish world. Some people, who here speaks French? I must have a French speaker in my, in my shiul here. I'm going to butcher it. There's a place in France called Montpellier, but I promise you that's not how the French say it. Yes? Uh, I'm just going to say it like that. There are some people in France who rose up to speak ill of the Rambam's books. And who led this movement against the Rambam's writings? Rabbeinu Shalomo Min Hahar. The famous Chacham, Rabbeinu Shalomo Min Hahar. Rabbeinu Shalomo Min Hahar, we know very little about his actual life. He was a, a Chacham from province. Like I told you, he was in Barcelona, although I think he was born there. But he lived in the first half of the 13th century. Those who may have read I mentioned already before, Chacham Fa'ur's anti-Maimonidean demons. You may already be familiar with some of this conversation here uh, about attacks of the Rambam. Though, over here, I'm focused only on the attacks of the Rambam that took place 
because of his stance that the Kadosh Baruch has no likeness, has no image and has no form. The one who led this is Rabbeinu Shalomo Minahav, Bechoveret Talmidav, Harav David, Rabbeinu Yonah. Who's Rabbeinu Yonah? Which Rabbeinu Yonah is this? Very good. Rabbeinu Yonah of Gerondi. So he, he's one of our famous, famous Chachamim, wrote a number of books that are very popular in the world of Torah. He was born in 1210 and he passed away in 1263, 1264. He's a student of Rabbeinu Shlomo Minahar. Now you should know that some people confuse Rabbeinu Shlomo Minahar with the Rashba, Rabbi Shlomo Ben Aderet. That's not supposed to be happening, but unfortunately sometimes these mix-up happen. Rabbeinu Yonah was a, a Sephardic Chacham who was from the camp, who was a student of Rabbeinu Shlomo Minahar. And he led one of the more vicious campaigns against the books of the Rambam. Now there is a legend, and I'm telling you legend because in the world of academia at least, the story is not believed at all. But there is a legend that, if you know, so I told you he died in what year? 1263, 1264. In 1233, the books of the Rambam were burned. And by the Christians. And at that point, some say that Rabbeinu Yonav Gerondi did Teshuvah, and he sent himself into exile, he ends up in Eretz Yisrael, he prays at the Rambam's grave, and he writes this book, his famous book, Gates of Repentance, Sha'arei Teshuvah, as some type of atonement for what he did to the Rambam. Now, though this story is believed very much in the world, I'm not telling you that it's not true, I just don't have a, a historical source to tell you certainly that this story took place and that Rabbein Yonah ever uh, defaulted back to the camp of the Rambam. But let's continue. <laughs> And they dragged along the rabbis of France with their sages in their generation. And they complain about Moshe. Where is he borrowing this verse from? In the Parsha. Very good. In the Torah, the Torah is referring to the Jewish people complaining about Moshe Rabbeinu. Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin is using this word, what we call milita. He's using this word. That just like the Jews complained about Moshe Rabbeinu, so these French Jews complained about the Moshe Rabbeinu of the generation, who was the Rambam. Besever Hamada, they were upset about what he wrote in the book Mada. Shekatav, because he wrote Shashem Barach Enoguf Veno Demutaguf. The Rambam writes that a Kadosh Baruch Hu has no body, he has no form, and he has no image that's even like a body or a form. Famously, what does the Rambam call a person, a halakha category of a person who believes that a Kadosh Baruch Hu has a body? And we know the Hebrew term, the Rambam has five types of people like this. You say a blessing every morning in the tefillah and every afternoon and evening, taking the heretics out of the Jewish camp. What's that blessing called? Amin, very good. Amin. So not a epikoros, not a kofer, a min. Min is the correct legal definition. A min, the Rambam, we'll say in English a heretic, that one of the types of heretics which exist, and you can look this up in the Rambam, the laws of Teshuvah, chapter 3, in Halakha 7. I think that's where we're going to find that. Um, Rav Kapach's Mishneh Torah is a little different, but I think that's where you'll find this. Neged Svaratam. So they found this to be Opposite their belief. They believe the opposite was true. That HaKadosh Baruch has a body and a form. Because of their mistake, they considered this righteous and pious man, the Rambam, 
to be a heretic against the Torah. וכתבו דברים נגדו שאסור להעלותם אף במחשבה. says Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin, and the things they wrote against the Rambam, he said, not only is it forbidden for me to print them here, it's forbidden for a person even to think the things that they said about the Rambam. I think when you read the writings of those rabbis who attacked the Rambam, many feelings come to you. Uh, when I read those words, sometimes it's, it's real anger. It's, it's how dare you, the chutzpah. Like, who speaks like that about the Rambam? What, do you, what is going on over here? With the, the world became hefkel, you could just say whatever you want against the, uh, the Rambam. Others spoke kinder and calmer, but all of them together. Says Rabbi Shem again, I would copy their words, but I would not be allowed to read them to you. Because you can't even think about them. And when these voices started to be heard in France, all of their rabbis stood up. So in, in Narvona and, and province, when they heard these words, they excommunicated Rabbi Shalomo and his students. And when they saw that Khalta Alehem Hara, who knows Megillat Aster a little bit? When is this word? Where is this phrase used? Very good. Mordechai and Esther. My mother is the she's the, the Tanakh expert here in the class. Mordechai and Esther with with uh, with Haman. If you remember, he felt that he lost all favor in the eyes of the king, and he turns to beg for from Esther. So when these rabbis realized that their colleagues are now against them for attacking the Rambam, panu b'michtavehem, they sent letters. This is the year 1232. They sent letters to the rabbis in France. Many of those rabbis in France were the rabbis, the French and German Tosafists. They wanted them to get involved in the story here. Who's right? And these rabbis. When they saw that the reason why Rabbeinu Shalomo Minahar and his students attacked the Rambam was because... The Rambam wrote that HaKadosh Baruch has no body. And they themselves, the Tosafists themselves, believed that HaKadosh Baruch had a body in a form. Now that's a very interesting footnote. And that's the articles I mentioned to you earlier. Something you should look into on your own. But I'm going to assume for the sake of reading this piece that Rishem Tov Gagin's sweeping statement against all the Tosafists are correct. Though there's room to say that it's not accurate. They accepted the ban of Rabbeinu Shalomo against the Rambam and they excommunicated and banned any person who would dare read the first volumes of the Rambam's Mishneh Torah. So notice, nobody here is talking about the Moran of Uchim. Nobody here is having a conversation with the Rambam writes in the Guide to the Perplexed, which is supposedly the Rambam's controversial work. Here they're attacking the Rambam on something he writes in the laws of Teshuvah. I mean, a person is a heretic if they believe that a Kadosh Baruch has a body or a form. I want to read to you the two footnotes on the footnotes at the bottom of the page. So there's two footnotes of footnotes. So uh, right at the bottom of this page, you'll see the, a little aleph. So not the middle aleph, the bottom aleph. 
These rabbis who complained against the Rambam, they were very famous rabbis when it comes to Torah and wisdom. And you can see that explicitly in the writings of Rabbi Yudal Fakar to the Radak. Do you know who Rabbi Yudal Fakar was? Al Fakar, maybe you could. You know who he was? He was a famous Chacham who was against the Rambam. By the way, the Radak, Rabbi David Kimchi, who has a commentary that many people study. The Radak was a diehard, if you don't call him a Maimonidean, but believed in this approach of Torah. And he so much wanted to convince Rabbi Dal Fakhar to come over to his side that he traveled on the way to go visit him in person to convince him. He never made it there. He got sick along the way. It was a pretty sad story. But in the writings between them, you can see just how much the rabbis who believed that the Kaddosh Baruch had a body and a form, they're not some uh, uh, small sect of rabbis, not some small group, not some fringe element, but they were the mainstream of these Chachamim in this region. Gam harav meir barturdus hadevi mitolatila. Was a chacham that initially, and again, so similar story to Rabbeinu Yonah, but this one we, I believe, we have confirmed. Also was opposed to the Rambam. Initially, was involved in the charamot that were written against the Rambam. Later in life, the second round of attacks against the Rambam. He just pulls his hands out. He doesn't involve himself. So he doesn't necessarily back the Rambam, but he no longer wants to have a part in anything to do with this war between the Rambam and those who were against the Rambam. Uh, Rabbi Sheshed ben Veneste in Barcelona wrote the following words about Rabbeinu Meir. He says, She'aluni didai. I ask you, my, my friends, Ech yechune b'shem Meir. How can we call this Rabbi Meir, the enlightened one? V'hu holech hashechim. And he's walking in the darkness to attack the Rambam. Hashivotim, I answered them, Kval karu chachamim lalayla or, Chachamim already called darkness light. There are things that are opposites in the world. You find here that the Chachmei Sfarad were livid, Rabbi Meir Abu Lafia and other Chachamim, who dared attack the Rambam, even though their stance was not always a Maimonidean stance, but there was a limit to how far you could go in attacking the Rambam. The second footnote here. No, I think it's pronounced. The Melitz Habedersi is Rabbi Dayah ben Avraham. He's always also known as Rabbi Dayah Hapinini, which is an Arabic nickname for somebody who writes poems and, and rhymes and songs and is a very eloquent writer. In his writing to the Rashba, Rabbi Shlomo ben Aderet, and the Pas ben Teshuvotav, Katab Bezalashon, he writes the following words. One of the most famous things of our generation. That almost all of the exiles of the Jewish people, meaning all of the countries we're familiar with, believe in the physicality and the corporeality of Akadosh Baruchu. Rabbi Rabbi Daya is a very special Chacham. I brought a book here. It's in terrible condition, but you won't be able to find it in any other condition aside from this unless you print it yourself. It's available in Hebrew books. I've mentioned to you in the past 
how important it is to study the writings of Rabbi Moshe David Gaon. Today you can get at least the first volume of his book reprinted online through Amazon if it's in the United States. I don't know about the UK. But the second volume of his book is still out of print. I can send you a PDF of the book if you're interested. It's about the Jews of the East in the land of Israel. It's perhaps the most important book, series of books, that have ever been written about the Sephardic history of Jews in the land of Israel. It's curiously missing from any bookshelves of yeshivot or in any kind of types of classes on history or anywhere else. The author of this book, Rabbi Moshe David Gaon, we studied his writings way back at the beginning of Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin's classes. Uh, he is the father of Yoram Gaon, the famous Israeli singer and, and um, movie star. He writes the following. Idaya Barava, Mechuna Pnini. He lived from 1270 to 1340 in province. In the beginning of his life, he lived in Barcelona. And he has the following words to write to his followers about the Rambam. You should believe in everything that was believed by the scholar who was the latest in time, but the earliest in wisdom or in importance. The great rabbi, the guide, Maimonides of blessed memory. That there is no rabbi who parallels him after the sealing of the Talmud, I am certain. There is no rabbi greater than the Rambam. Everything that he says, everything he believed, you should believe and you should do. And he spent time trying to get involved here and stop these attacks against the Rambam. Unfortunately, they didn't always work for him. And as he says here, that almost all the rabbis of his time, or the generation before him, believed in the physicality of HaKadosh Baruch Moreno Harav Moshe Alashkar. Moreno Harav Moshe Alashkar was born in 1466 in Samora, and he passed away 76 years later in 1542 in Yerushalayim. If you want to know a little bit about him, Moshe Alashkar, I mentioned him before in one of these shiurim. Anyone remember anything about him? If you recall in the war between the rabbis of Tzfat in Jerusalem, whether or not we should have a Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. So he was from the opponents of Mahari Berav Sanhedrin. He actually ends up moving to Yerushalayim, most likely because of his opposition towards the Sanhedrin that is starting. Nonetheless, his colleagues, Rabbi Yaakov uh, Ben Khabib. Rabbi Yaakov Ben Khabib wrote which book? We study here on Thursday nights. Rabbi Yaakov Ben Khabib, he's the author of the En Yaakov, the author of the Gadot of the Talmud. He sits in Egypt in the Bedin of the Ridbaz in Egypt. He also is a dear friend of Rabbeinu Avraham Zakuto. Have you heard of Rabbi Avraham Zakuto? Someone tell me something about Rabbi Avraham Zakuto. He was an astrologer that had a galaxy or a star named after him. Very good. He was a baki and everything to do with the stars and the skies and, and he he actually, according to many, the Zagat crater on the moon is named after him. He was the one who was responsible for all of the, um, there's a word for this, all the nautical instruments of Christopher Columbus when he heads out to discover America. So all of those instruments on board were, were invented and designed by Rabbi Avram Zakuto. If I'm not mistaken, he was a professor in the University of Barcelona in the, already before the Spanish expulsion. 
was one of our greatest chachamim. He wrote a beautiful book, which you can actually find in English today, easier than you can find in Hebrew. Uh, it's essentially a, a conversation. It's, it's the lineage of the Jewish people from Hal Sinai all the way through, maybe even from Avam Avinu, if I remember. Sefer Yuchasin, it's called. The Book of Lineage. An unbelievable Tamikhan and somebody who, way before Jews even had conversations, so is it proper to have a secular education or not, he was already doing it, and he was already the, 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 the hero of that movement. He writes in his letter to Rabbi Shem Tov, a different Rabbi Shem Tov, this is your words. The giants of Talmud, the Talmudists of France, and in some other places, they publicly believed in the belief that Akadosh Bokhu has a body. Supposedly, the Rosh claims to be a descendant of the Ravan. Not everyone accepts that. Historically, he was born in Ashkenaz. I wrote it down in my notes in 1090, and he passed away in 1170. And he writes in his book, Ma'amar HaSechel, Rabim Tzalalu Bayam HaSichlut B'Tziuram HaGshama Hashem Barach. Many people fell into the sea of stupidity in believing that Kadosh Baruch has a body and a form. They believe he has a body, v'yadayim and hands, upanim and a face, kemotam betumuna v'toar. Exactly like a human being, just a big version of a human being. The only difference was that Kadosh Baruch was bigger than them, so he was a giant human being, and that his physical form was made of superior material than ours. And this is really what they believed about HaKadosh Baruch He calls it Yama Sikhlu, the sea of stupidity, the ocean of stupidity. But they believed in it. And so this brings me back to the middle of the page, where we left off. The bottom paragraph in the middle of the page. Says The thing that we need to wonder about how did it happen? That these giant rabbis, Rashi Galuyot Israel, the leaders of the exile of the Jewish people, that spend their entire lives studying Torah and Talmud. How did these rabbis fall into this web of heresy to believe that a Kadosh Baruch has a form? And included among them was the Ravad. By the way, I just have to tell you, I don't accept Obisham Tov Gagin's assumption that the Ravad believed that HaKadosh had a body and a form. And I'll share with you in just a moment why I say that. That when he came to critique the Rambam, he didn't just come to him with some nice words, with a kind cane. He didn't come gently. He jumps on the Rambam like a lion. Next page. In the middle of the next page. That he says that the Rambam wrote that anybody who believes Hashem is a body is a heretic. The Ravad writes the following words. Why did the Rambam call these people minim who believe that HaKadosh Baruch has a body? I mean, how dare he? The Let's translate it simply the first time around. How many people who were greater and better than the Rambam walked down this belief 
that HaKadosh Baruch has a body. Min the Ravar, when the Ravar is writing his notes on the Rambam, he attacks him for saying, how dare you call people who believe HaKadosh Baruch has a body? I mean, don't you know how many rabbis and people that were better than you, the Rambam, that they, they believe this? Now you should know, the classic assumption is that the Ravar wrote very harsh words against the Rambam because he entirely didn't agree with him. Everyone accepts that to be the case, except for one Chacham. One Chacham, his name is Rabbi Yosef Kafich, Kapach. Rabbi Yosef Kapach, who Chacham Ovadi Yosef, Chacham Orechadiyahu, Chacham, uh, a few other Chachamim, wrote about him a letter, and they said that if the Rambam was in this generation, and if the Rambam would have believed in reincarnations, Harav Kapach would have been a reincarnation of Rambam. Uh, yeah, it's, that's, I'm borrowing a term. He himself doesn't agree. In the introduction to his Mishneh Torah, and I taught this in our Mishneh Torah playlist, so those of you who are part of my Mishneh Torah shul, you've heard this from me already, that the Ravad did not attack the Rambam because he didn't agree with the Rambam. He attacked the Rambam because he always wanted to show that there's more to the story than the Rambam Asher. Don't make it so simple. There were other Chachamim who believed different things. But the Ravad himself didn't always disagree with the Rambam. It's in fact, there's very few places where the Ravad disagrees with the Rambam. You have to look in the Ravad's own writings to see what he believed. Not in his notes on the Rambam. In his notes on the Rambam, he's only playing devil's advocate. In his own book, he tells you what he believes. Not in his notes on the Rambam. He was only trying to show the Talmidim, show the students, there's another approach. So how do you deal then with the vicious language? And that's very vicious language that the Ravad uses throughout the Mishnah Torah against the Rambam. Rav Kapach writes something fascinating. He says, you have to know who the Ravad was. He was a wealthy man, a very wealthy man. He was a Rosh Yeshiva. And he lived a life where nobody challenged him ever. He was the ultimate authority. He had money, he had power, he had influence. He was the Tamid Chacham of his Yeshiva. You don't like it, get out of town. And that's the attitude in which he wrote his notes. on the. So it comes off... He said, it comes off as, can you hear me? Yeah, he said, it comes off as cold and callous, but it's not cold and callous. That's just the Ravad being the Ravad. That's how it is. You can call it a personal character trait flaw, that's fine, but it's not because he hates the Rambam. You should know that not everybody understands the, the, the Ravad this way, but when Rabbi Yosef Kapach tries to make peace between the Ravad and the Rambam, if there anybody who was a zealot for the Rambam, then it was Rabbi Yosef Kapach. And, and I think that he... He went out of his way to show that that wasn't the case. Before I tell you about the Ravad, I want to finish what Rabbi Shatov Gagin writes. And he says the following words. What kind of critique is this? How dare you say that the heretics, they're rabbis, fine, but who believed in an image and a form of a Kadosh Baruch Hu were greater than the Rambam? The Migdal Oz. Migdal Oz is a very special Chacham. His name is also Ribi Shem Tov. Ibn Gaon. This Ribi Shem Tov, he wrote a number of books. One of the books he wrote was also called Keter Shem Tov. Not this one, but another Keter Shem Tov. And he wrote a commentary in the Rambam that many study when they read the Rambam. And he says, Said, I'm, in, in, I'm baffled. How could he use those two words? That the rabbis who believe that the Kadosh Baruch had a body are greater and better than the Rambam. Those are two terrible words to say about the Rambam. Maran, the Shuchan Aruch, Yosef Karo, in his book, Kesem Mishneh, 
He also was bewildered by the Ravad. And he writes, quote, I'm, I'm astonished at the holy mouth. How could this holy mouth of the Ravad say that these rabbis who believe that Kedosh Baruch had a body are better and greater than the Rambam? Vayen Chasid, and look in the writings of Rabbeinu Bachye, Besev Chovat Levavot, in the book Chovat Levavot. Vasham Tiren, you could see, nobody studies Chovat Levavot today. Even the people who study it, they study selections of Chovat Levavot because that's the only part they want to handle. But the real Chovat Levavot, Haraperetz told me that in Morocco, his father used to have a Chavuta with other, other sheikhs. The sheikhs wanted to study the writings of Rabbeinu Bachir. They wanted to know how to be a straightforward person from the writings of Chovot al-Vavot. And the Jews, If you want to see an actual discussion in a classic source, look up Shah HaYichud in the 10th chapter of Rabbeinu Bachir's Chovot al-Vavot. You'll see a conversation there. And this is the words of David Kimchi responded to Rabbi Yudan. The God who even the heavens cannot contain him. These French rabbis were able to close him up in a room. And they embellished upon him an image and a form. Opposite what the Torah said, that you have not seen my image. Here I wish to show, says Rabbi Shandov Gagin. He said, I wish to show you that this preliminary statement of Tzvi Hirsch Chayis, that Ashkenazim and Sevaradim, we believe all the same things, even about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He says, Roshendogin, we don't even believe in the same God. The rabbis of France and the rabbis of Spain did not believe in the same Creator. Said until over time this belief dwindled and disappeared from the Jewish people. He said, whoever understands how history works, that's how it happened. And I believe that the Rambam is the champion of this. If it wasn't for him, I don't know where we would be today in terms of belief in Akalush Bakhu. And I don't know that you know of any Jews, Sephardic or Ashkenazi, who believe that Akalash Bahu has a body or a form. So this conversation is not relevant in terms of practice. Nobody is walking around. I hope not. I mean, if someone is, then you know about it, and I don't know, so enlighten me, please. But I don't know of any Jewish group that goes around today trying to convince people that Akalash Bahu has a body and a form and an image, and that's what Torah means. But that wasn't always the case. And Rabbi Shem Tovuk again says to simplify it. Jewish history is we're all the same, we believe in the same Torah, we have the same God, we have the same principles of faith. He said that's an oversimplification of something, and it's not even true. And on that note, I just want to answer the last few minutes of the Shi'ul. So what exactly was the Ravad saying? Because it bothers me, this language of the Ravad against the Rambam. And truthfully, it doesn't belong in today's Shi'ul. It belongs in a Rambam Shi'ul, and we'll get to it in the Rambam. But if you'll give me a few minutes of your time, I want to finish today's shiur just to explain a little bit about the Ravad and what he wrote against the Rambam. And for that, I'm going to ask for the help of Rabbi Yosef Kapach and his commentary on the Mishneh Torah. The Rambam writes, Chamisha hen nikra'im minim. 
there are five people who are called minim. One of them, one of them is, that there is one God, that he is of image and form. And famously, the Ravad, the Ravad writes, and let's see how much better it is to read the Ravad inside his own words than to trust what other people say the Ravad said. The Ravad writes, Why did he call these people heretics? I'm still translating this word this way until Rav Kapach will change the translation. And how many people that were greater and better than him, they went in this belief of physicality of Hashem. Why? Why? Listen carefully. Because what they thought they saw explicitly written in the Pesukim, Hashem's hand, Hashem's nostrils. And more than that, they noticed that there were certain words of Agadata throughout the Talmud. Which ruin, which pervert a person's beliefs. What is the Ravad called Agadot? The Ravad says they're Agadot, which destroy, they pervert, they corrupt. That's a good word. They corrupt your belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is in line with early Sephardic Chachamim, who believed that not all Agadot in the Talmud were created equally. And some Agadot, you just have to skip them. Some Agadot, you enjoy them and understand them. Some Agadot, you just say, I have no idea what they're talking about. Today, if you would say that, Hashem Yishma, what happened to you? Nirali Baru. This is the word of Kapach, right? It's clear as day to me. Shirabenu ra'ahasagat ra'avad. That the Rambam saw this response of the Rava, this critique. That the Rambam already responded to the Rava and his Moren Vuchim. And he writes the following words in Moren Vuchim, the first section, in the end of chapter 36. And if you look in the Rav Kapach's edition in footnote 38 over there. And this is what he writes, the Rambam. And if it enters your mind, If you want to judge these people favorably, that they believe in a physical God because they were educated this way, or because their mind, their limited understanding, understood this from the Torah or the Talmud. So if that's your attitude, says the Rambam, you should have the same attitude towards those who believe in idol worship also. Because people only worship idols because they're foolish or because they were raised that way. They could say, it's the minhag of our forefathers that we worship idols. And if you tell me that the simple meaning of the verses is what forced them into this corrupt belief, so you can say the same thing for the idol worshippers. That the only reason why they believe in idols is because of some corrupt understanding of something. Isn't therefore, well, that's already, a person should rely on those who understand things instead of trying to make up, reach their own conclusions. And he says in the case of Mishneh, it's a good question. So the Rambam already responded, meaning, I don't accept. Just because great rabbis believe something, just because great rabbis thought that they understood something from the Torah means I have to judge them favorably, that still makes you a mean. You have no greater mean than that as somebody who learns the Torah incorrectly. And what does Lev Kapach answer for the case of Mishneh? He writes here, 
מרן says the following words. וכתב הקצב משנה, מרן לשולחן ערוך says, יש לטמוע על פה קדוש, איך יקרא לאומרים שהוא גוף או בעל תמונה גדולים וטובים ממנו. We have to be astonished at this holy mouth of the Ravad, how he said that these rabbis who believe in the physicality of God are greater than the Rambam. ואפשר שיקר הנוסחה כמו שכתוב בספר עיקרים במאמר א' זה לשונו. אמר אברהם, in the ספר עיקרים he writes the following words, אברהם says, אף על פי שיקר אמונה כן הוא, even though these are the foundations of our faith, המאמין היותו גוף מצד תפיסתו לשונות פסוקים והמדרשות, כי פשטן אין ראוי לקרותו מין. That really the understanding here is, that yes, Maran quotes us, there is an understanding that Vatami Chacham makes an honest mistake, and because of his understanding of Torah, believes in something that violates the 13 principles of faith, he's wrong, but we don't consider him a mean because of that. I once embellished on this piece in a different shiur about the Sefer Karim. If you want to read about this in English, if you look up in the writings of Chacham Fa'ur, in the first part of Horizontal Society, there's a chapter there on Agadata, on Agadot, and over there Chacham Fa'ur discusses this as well. וגם לפי נוסחתנו זאת הייתה כוונתו. סז רב קפח, ואחר הסליחה רבה מכל רבותינו, I have to ask forgiveness from all of the rabbis who came before me. יש להתייחס... וחלילה לחשוב שכוונת הראווה גדולים ממנו מהרמב״ם. סז, why do you translate, mistranslate the words of the ראווה? גדולים וטובים ממנו. You're saying it means people who are greater and better than ממנו, him, the רמב״ם. כמו אשר פגע בשני אנשים גדולים וטובים ממנו, like the book of Malachim says, that he met two people who were greater and bigger than him. וחסרי לרעבד שיפגע ברמב״ם. Why do you have to assume that the רעבד is attacking the רמב״ם personally? אלא כוונתו? ממנו. He doesn't say ממנו, from him, ממנו, from us. Us. Listen carefully, says Dov Kapach. מבני עמנו, meaning from us Jewish people. כמו, like it says in במדבר, כי חזק הוא ממנו, because he is stronger than we are. לפי פשוטו של מקרא, this is what the Ravad means. The Ravad is not even attacking the Rambam, says Rav Kapach. Well, you don't know how to read Hebrew. And he says, מכילה, all of the rabbis who read the Ravad don't know how to read Hebrew. Not Maran, not the Migdaloz, not... not and by the way, this is what got Sir Kapach in a lot of trouble. So if you recall, in my early introductions to the Mishneh Torah, I told you there were some rabbis who thought Rav Kapach was, was, was an absolutely evil person. I, uh, because he thinks that he understands things better than anybody else except... Only Rav Kapach knows. But Rav Kapach is... Even if he's... He's giving you a viable option. Why do you have to assume the Ravad is attacking the Rambam? The word is exactly the same. You're just mistranslating. The Ravad is saying, not that people greater than the Rambam believe that these people are minim, uh, that, that HaKadosh Baruch had a body in a form. But the greater people than us believe that HaKadosh Baruch had a body in a form. It doesn't mean they're right, but it means why should we consider all of these rabbis who came before us to be heretics? The truth is that I would recommend if you own a commentary of Rav Kapach on the Mishneh Torah, it's on page Tafresh Tet. If you have a chance to look at this footnote in length, it might bring you a lot of joy to see how Rav Kapach tries to even things out between the Ravad and the Rambam, smooth things over. Nonetheless, here is where I wish to summarize, and that is Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin, next week and possibly a couple of weeks after that, is going to walk us through things that many of us know, but he's going to point out some painful differences between Sefaradim and Ashkenazim. There are just things that we're not, we, can, we cannot say that we're all the same about. There are differences. And I do agree with Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin's assessment. 
that there were times in history where Sephardim and Ashkenazim may not even have believed in the same God. And I even agree with Benjamin Simcha Schofield that maybe even until today, there are fundamental differences between the Sephardic and Ashkenazi approach. Nonetheless, I will circle back and say, I think for the sake of the Jewish people, it is important when dealing with Am Yisrael to adopt the mentality of Rav Tzvi Hirshchais, even if it's not historically accurate. And that is, we're all children of the same father. We're all believers in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We all accept the Torah and the Talmud and the mitzvot. We all believe in Borei Olam. So there are differences. Fine, fine, there are differences. We'll work those differences out. We'll have those conversations. The Ben Amidash was created to have conversations. But I don't think that the right attitude is because we're so different, so let's throw everybody out. Let's separate ourselves. Let's build a barrier higher than we've ever had before. I think that that's a generation where that's not needed anymore. We're not, we're not separate from each other anyways. We live together anyways. We study Torah together anyways. And Rabbi Shantov Gagin, after he shows us just how different Zafaradim and Ashkenazim are, he doesn't do it to be antagonistic. He doesn't do it to separate the Jewish people. The whole purpose of Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin's essay, and it's the reason why I'm spending months and months and months on it with you, is because this belief of Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin is that Sephardim and Ashkenazim may be so different, but there is one path that we can agree on going forward. And there is a way to unite the Jewish people. And it's crucial that we do this sooner than later. And it's for that reason. If you've been wondering why I'm still stuck on the introduction of Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin, it's because Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin has a plan. A plan for how do we unite the Jewish people. But you cannot talk about how do we unite the Jewish people if you live in this foolish notion that we're united already. You must accept that we're so torn apart in the pain of how torn apart we are. Like when we discussed the reform, when we discussed the Shomonim, the Samaritans, and the Kerites, and we discussed all the Hasidim and the Mitnagdim. We have to feel the pain of the separation in order to be motivated to seek out a solution that is different than the generations before us. So we're beginning a summer semester. We're beginning a whole new part of this essay, Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin. And I'm asking you, it's not just for the purpose of studying the writings of Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin. It's because this essay, like I told you the first time we studied it, really changed my life. It changed my approach as to where I think the Jewish people need to go in order to become one people again. And I'm asking you, hear me out. Give me the time. Give me your, your patience as we learn through this essay, Rabbi Shem Tov Gagin, and come up with a solution, a solution of how Am Yisrael can finally unite together around one general idea, one concept, and be one people. Bezat Hashem, we're going to get there. But for right now, this is the end of today's show. Thank you so much for learning with me. Bezat Hashem, I will stick around for anybody who has any questions. I'm here, I'm not going anywhere. It could be about the show or about anything else. I haven't seen you guys in a while, so uh, hopefully uh, if anybody has anything you want to bring up, I'll take the time, all the time in the world to be here with you guys. Have a beautiful night for those of you who are heading out. A good day if you're on this side of the world. A good night if you're on the other side of the world. And uh, may we only continue learning together in good occasions.